0: Welcome to the Down to Mars podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Rasheel.
1: What up? It's G.J. Uh,
0: So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're doing it sort of as a bonus episode. Um, So we're skipping the gut check segment that we usually do and switching up the format. Usually we talk about things that are a little bit more conceptual. But today we will be talking specifically about a project that we recently worked on. So myself, G.J., and our partner, Greg Carrick at The Ledge Media... Uh, Last week, we were all in Miami working on a very special project, so we wanted to dedicate an episode to give a little bit more insight into the other work that we do at The Ledge and recap the project that we worked on this time, as well as offer some of our reflective thoughts on what we learned, what we did, and what happens moving forward. So, GJ, why don't you explain to our listeners what this project is that we were working on and how we came to work on this project
1: (laughs) so the way this project started I guess I guess if I go back to the seed of of like the whole thing um back in 2014 the winter of 2014 Greg and I worked on the first project that we ever worked on together it was a short film that I had written about a, a person with split personalities who was struggling with some creativity. It was an expansion on how I felt at the time, but like over-dramatized because I don't have split personalities. We worked with a young man named Sebastian Matar on that project. He was the lead in in the, in the in the project. And even though the project didn't see the light of day, Sebastian did a great job and I've always been really, really grateful to him because that was my first project.
0: Your baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah um and and in a way i'm kind of happy i didn't finish it because i don't want anyone to to ever see it ever
0: one day some people are going to unearth that project
1: never <laughs> i i'll i'll burn the tapes real soon mm-hmm. like they did with michael jordan's bad games Oh God. um so anyway um sebastian and i have remained in touch over the years since 2014 and I've I've actually been really proud of him because he started his his like stand-up comedy career. And I've been seeing him doing it on social media and he was he was doing his grinding with of Time, this online show that he talk show that he had put together, which was really, really cool and fun. And he did it all himself. He's always been that kind of dude who has a lot of energy and a lot of belief in himself. Um, And I admired that. And I know a little bit about his personal story. So I was I I reached out to him because I, I thought that there might be something to do with him. And then we realized, you know, I mean, he's a stand up comic, he might know other stand up comics. So we said, well, maybe we'll do something about the stand up comedy scene in Miami. And then we went to Miami and it turned into a whole Another level. Right. Okay, so
0: before we get into what it turned into, because that's going to be the bulk of this episode, I do want to backtrack a little bit and give some of our listeners insights into what it is that we do entirely outside of this podcast. So, The Ledge Media consists, like I said, of us and our partner, Greg Carrot. Shout out to Greg if he's listening. The
1: biggest shout outs to Greg.
0: <laughs> the biggest shout out to Greg. Um, And so the three of us have this company, The Ledge Media, which is a production company. So in addition to this podcast, one of the primary things that we are aiming to do with our company is to create films, different types of films. But as of right now, what we have under our belt is a documentary that you and Greg worked on together um, on the climate march that was in D.C. Was it last year?
1: Yeah, it was. It was last year
0: right so the climate march in dc last year they made a short documentary um that people can find on our youtube channel and now we have moved on to working on this documentary so this one I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but has been like a bigger undertaking. It's certainly a bigger project, a little bit more thought through than the first one. So this is like the, like a level up <laughs> of documentary filmmaking. Um, and, and as of now for this project, I'm included as well. And so it's the three of us working on it together. Um, so aside from that, I mean, we have a lot of visions and goals for all of the things that we hope to do with The Ledge, but this is what we've got right now. And we are really, really proud of it. For, for what we have so far, so
1: yeah, so i i think the the easiest way to say it is like briefly put, the ledge media is a media production company, we specialize mm-hmm. in a couple of things, so like we have an audio recorder because we're filmmakers and we need one on set, and we use that to record this podcast,
0: exactly, so we're interested in all different types of media right. and storytelling,
1: right, storytelling is the thing, um, and I think certainly I can say it speak for myself and. I mean, I, I can speak for Greg too. I've known him all my life. Mm-hmm. Um he's a he's he he's primarily interested in telling stories via film. Um, and that is the our 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 primary function. But I mean, the media oasis that exists because like the internet makes anything possible. You can have a podcast, you can have a TV show, you can have your own. Not more than just TV show, your own TV station, a YouTube channel that you like green light whatever projects you want. And that's, you know, we want to take advantage of that because we just have a bunch of creative energy pent up that we want to release.
0: For sure. And uh, in the absence of Greg being with us on this podcast, I do want to like hype him up some more because it's not just that Greg is like interested in filmmaking. He is exceptionally good at it (laughs) he has a lot of really great experience that if you guys are interested you can check it out at his website which is gregkerrick.com he has like i said some incredible incredible work and i can i can say and we'll get into this more but i can definitely say that watching you guys work together um it has been a little bit out of my comfort zone because I don't have much experience in filmmaking. Actually, I don't have any experience in filmmaking. I mean,
1: well, that's not true anymore.
0: It's not true anymore. But at the time when we started this project, this was totally new to me, and I was just in awe of of, of watching you guys work. So, yeah. So, um, so so like we said last week, for a whole week, for seven days, we were on the scene. In Miami stand-up comedies community, as as we came to call it, um, and and we got to witness these guys in and out their their daily routines, their process, them on stage, and yeah, it was it was really incredible. So so just to kind of bullet point it, it was Sebastian, who you just mentioned, who will will now call Seabass because that's his his like his stage, his stage name, Seabass um Manny Garavito and Rudy Wilson were our three subjects so like also big shout out to them because working with them was incredible so what I do want to talk about and when what we'll do here is talk about our expectations versus the reality of what it was like to work on this project so let's talk about what we thought it was going to be going into it as we were prepping (sighs) as we were sort of like mapping out what our intent was as the
1: wheels on the plane were landing in <laughs> fort lauderdale <laughs> i'm talking about this whole thing got put together and 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 finessed really by i mean this is going to be corny i don't believe what i'm saying but by a higher power like it worked the fuck out
0: dude it really did um so okay so expectations what did you think this was going to be like what did you expect going into it beforehand we sort of you know of course we didn't just just like fly into fort lauderdale and be like yo what up comedians like (laughs) you know we we did have some planning that we did but of course calls into
1: people we had plans we had and like relatively specific plans but anyway i mean we'll get there
0: yeah, I mean we're we're here now, so so we can like let the people know <laughs> what that was about the calls right. and the planning that ended up being totally different from right. what. So it ended
1: up. we we reached out to Sebastian and we had a call with him, like a, a preliminary call, and this was probably what two three months ago. Um, and and really the purpose of that call was to try to identify whether or not sebastian as an individual had a story and enough of a story for it to be exclusively about him Mm -hmm. and like we could have probably made like a snapshot piece something something much more simple than what we ended up coming up with based on this one character because sebastian's a very interesting dude with like a story to be told um but the magnitude of what is possible with that story is very very different from what we ended up getting and we realized that as time passed and we wanted to like be a little more ambitious and aim for something a little bigger than that. So we decided it would be a good idea to reach out to more than one comic and reach out to Sebastian and see if there were other comics that he knew of in the area who might be interested. He put us in touch with a uh, Ridiculous Nick, mm-hmm. who is and and has been for a while now blowing up in the South Florida scene. It's really unfortunate because Nick is not based in Miami and the story ended up being about the Miami scene and we'll get more into like the details of why focusing on that was so important um but Nick isn't really in the Miami scene Nick is more like in the Palm Beach area so we would have had access to him it wouldn't have been that difficult to get to him but I mean we like most documentary filmmakers, only have so much money to be like traveling to our destinations yeah. and this was like a f- feeding totally
0: self-funded project that we that yeah. we took on. So yeah, there were challenges.
1: Yeah, um, but so anyway, we it's unfortunate we weren't able to work with Nick in the way that we had planned. Um, but we made plans with him, and he had a he has. Um, like a comedy partner that he does shows with at the Palm Beach Improv, the Nick and Trey show. We never really got a hold of Trey. And that's really what started us moving in the direction of like, all right, well, we need to find other comics to try and fill this hole that the story has.
0: Mm-hmm. Mind you, this was like...
1: Two days before uh, This was like left. two
0: days before we actually had to go that... Um, A lot of these plans just weren't panning out and we were needing backup plans and plan B's and C's and D's just in case to make sure that we had enough to to complete the story.
1: Right. And so we reached out to Sebastian because he had hit us with a list of maybe like anywhere between 7 and 15 comics. Probably closer to the 7 side than the 15. Um, And we ran through those names and looked at their social media accounts, searched their names on YouTube, mm-hmm. and looked for someone that we liked that we felt like would be interesting to cover. And we ended up coming across a guy named Manny Garavito,
0: which was like a jackpot situation. Well, for and, us. and we, didn't even, up, we didn't
1: even we didn't even know that it was a jackpot yeah. situation when we decided that that's who we wanted to reach out to. So I'm talking about 36 hours before we are wheels up to head to Miami. I sent Manny Garavito a a DM on Instagram saying like, yo, we're we're a documentary from crew. This is some of our shit. Check it out. We're going to be in Miami in 36 hours. I got to talk to you tomorrow by 2 p.m. And it's 2 a.m. (laughs) And he hits me back in like an hour talking about, all right, bet. Let's talk.
0: Let's talk, yeah.
1: So we call him in the morning and we have a conversation and we tell him a little bit about what our plans are. And he's like, no, 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 this is cool. This is great. So we just think all right cool we got a link with a a a, a dope another, comic yeah,
0: another, stand-up, another stand-up
1: comic in Miami. So we get to we get to Fort Lauderdale we get to Miami and it turns out that Manny Garavito to our complete shock and surprise runs an organization called Miamicomedy.com and basically is the primary marketer, promoter, producer of comedy events in Miami because Miami has n- a grand total of zero comedy clubs.
0: Yeah, which and so this was like sort of big shocker number one to us because we I guess we we sort of realized that we were dealing with um a smaller, you know, comedy scene. It's not like we thought this was like New York or something where it's known to have like all of these big comedy clubs or these big names that come out of Miami or anything like that. But when we found out that there were no comedy clubs, so there used to be the improv, but that club no longer exists. And so as of now, yes, there are a grand total of zero. And I think they're so, bringing
1: back the improv. I think that's important to say. I don't remember when it's coming back at this particular point in time, but, but it, there's it's been, coming back. And there's
0: been like a vacuum in its and Yeah, absence. in the
1: meantime, for several years now, there have been zero comedy clubs in Miami. Mm-hmm. And and Manny Garavito saw an opportunity to address this void by basically starting this like virtual comedy club initiative where he would holler I, at people. I love run... that he
0: calls it that a right. virtual comedy club.
1: Yeah. Right. So, what he does is he basically hollers at people who run bars and venues and hits them up for their off nights when they don't really have anything going on and says, Yo, I will bring X amount of people out to your spot. What's up? Let me put on a comedy show. And all he does is roll around with a mic stand, a microphone, an XLR cable to plug in and a spotlight. And he sets up comedy shows all over town. Yeah, well, he... not all over town. In, in, in multiple places in Brickell, you can list off the names and in one spot on the beach.
0: Yeah. So um, the, the spots that we ended up hitting were Red Bar, which is in Brickell, Sweet Caroline, which is in Brickell, uh the Craftsman, which is in Brickle, and uh the place was called Drink House Fire and Ice on South Beach and then we ended up also hitting Renee's spot in Wynwood. which is
1: which is not one of Manny's shows which
0: was not one of Manny's shows right um so so I do want to pause here and say like huge shout out to those venues as well because as as we oh, will man, continue the getting most into venues. yeah the, the 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 spots were great the people that were working there and the owners and managers and whoever were just super accommodating to us literally like opening doors for us um because of course like part of the formalities of of filming documentaries you have to get permission to shoot in these places and it's always sort of like a you're crossing your fingers and hoping that you get cooperative people and we did over and over and over again so we were really grateful f- for not only how cooperative they were but how great the the venues were to shoot in
1: yeah i mean and and so i really want to take a point take a moment to like dig into that a little bit more right because i so i went to college in Tallahassee Florida right and like Tallahassee, Florida, has some like a little bit of nightlife because it's a college town. There was a a venue called Chubby's down the street from my place that I lived at in Tallahassee. Literally, like right down the street, it was down a hill. You, I could, I could like put the car in neutral and roll down the hill and use no gas to get there. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, the venue didn't last very long, and that's probably because the n- nature of nightlife in Tallahassee. But like, it seemed like the owners knew that that was the case because everything was just painted black inside there was like no details like about it would it. be
0: easy for them to just lock the doors one day and be done
1: and be done <laughs> and so it, it seemed like everything was just a dark ass color and then you know like they just put some lights and shit up and then that would be like the vibe mm-hmm. in a Tallahassee Florida that makes sense right but on the scale of the world people go to Miami to party and and, and like be around beautiful people in beautiful spaces and the spaces in Miami that we hit to cover these venues that Manny put on were the most beautiful spaces, so I, spectacularly beautiful.
0: Yeah. So I, while I totally, totally agree with you, I do want to make one comment that what I what I found, or yeah, what I found was that despite this, you know, glitz and glamour that Miami is known for. Um, and of course, we're Miami locals, so we're like a little familiar with the areas and what the areas feel like. but Brickle is an area that is a little less touristy and glitzy and glamoury, and it's it's more what would what would you describe it as? Um, you might imagine more professional people going there, it's a little bit more, yeah, yeah, I- it's locals and.
1: It's 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 the it's like a business elite part of town.
0: Yeah, it's like happy hour like after work type of place. And so the places that we ended up going to were actually interestingly contrasted to what I think people would expect from Miami bars because they were a little divey and they were, you know, just really unique with like personality and I loved that about them. Meanwhile, of course, we also went to Drink House on South Beach, which was like Oh, my God. It was so beautiful, beautiful in venue. there. It was so the most beautiful. most beautiful
1: venue. It's crazy. I um, can't... They're, they're they're moving venues, and I, I almost want to go back to Miami to see what they do I, at yeah, the I next would to- venue. I would
0: totally go. Um, they,
1: it, it's, a, it's the most beautiful venue. Yeah, I venue.
0: cannot wait for people to see... Right. What, and, and and because we had these great places, and then we had Greg behind the camera doing what Greg does. He's
1: a, he's a beast.
0: He's and a beast. just some of the footage that we've been reviewing so far has just been like, I was there in person and watching it on camera. I'm like, holy shit! This God damn, place is. I don't is remember good. it looking. This <laughs> yeah, this place good. is beautiful. Um, right.
1: I, I really so to because this is like a a podcast about a film that's being made. I, I might as well like get into some filmmaking details. Yes. Yes. Um, so Greg has been aggregating a bunch of gear over, um, the course of his career up to this point in, in all in the name of really having an opportunity like this one day. And this is that opportunity. We, we actually like, r- we relishing in that a little bit because like we, he, he had like spent all this money on some of his gear. I had spent all this money on some of my gear and we've been like longing for this opportunity to use it. But anyway, so Greg has... A fifteen millimeter, a twenty-five millimeter, a fifty millimeter, and a hundred millimeter Zeiss lens. Like each one of those. Um, So we were working with four different lenses that that get just the most spectacular image you can possibly imagine. They open up to I think like like a really really wide aperture, so you get that beautiful beautiful depth of field. There there are shots in the film because we shot wide open for the most part. All. The, the entire project we shot wide open mm-hmm. so the the depth of field and some of the shots is super shallow so you can see greg working his ass off to either keep his subject keep in focus or the whatever he was shooting in focus mm-hmm. but so we also used a a sony a7s2 and the sony a7s2 performs spectacularly in, in low light we we did a little bit of reconnaissance because we knew that we were going to be hitting these venues that are open in the nighttime and typically dark. So we needed to get a camera that would afford us a, a decent looking image in low light. And the A7S II performed better than we could have possibly dreamed in low light. The, the, the images aren't noisy. They're really clean and low light and and some of them are spectacularly beautiful. I I mean, really spectacular is the word I keep on using because that's really how I feel about it. The The thing that is so special about this is for years I've been longing to do like neon photography where you get like really interesting colors like purples and reds and blues and different shades of blue and that kind of thing to light a scene and i'd not really gotten an opportunity to do that because i didn't i I mean like i i I imagine doing it narrative and you have to have the money to do that narrative and we didn't have to build these places they already existed so we got to shoot in them and get these beautiful 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 images
0: uh so i can't speak on any of the uh, equipment or anything that we use because i was like just observing but what i can say is that yes um I was really amazed to see what we managed to get because again a lot of these places are like super dark. I mean, they're bars and they're intimate and they're small. Some of them some of them were like really small and and really like everyone's close together and again, I felt like sometimes I would be there in real life and I'm like struggling to see things and then when I watched the footage back after again, I was like holy shit. Like this looks this looks beautiful and and yeah. things I didn't even notice. So, yeah, I'm really excited for people to um to get to see that so i do want to jump back into our timeline here because we mm-hmm. haven't introduced our third mm-hmm. subject yet so i'm actually excited to tell this story because i think the way that it happened was was funny <laughs> um so the first night that we were shooting we went to red bar right which was in brickle um red bar again beautiful venue and so when we got there we again the, our, our plans were sort of just changing. On like as we went, you know, like things didn't really like n- no pun intended, but like come into focus until like a couple of days into it. So yeah, so night one that we were shooting, we went to Red Bar, and as we're there, we're we're mostly focusing on these two guys that were there. Seabass was there and Manny was there, and so we're mostly focused on shooting them. But of course, when there are people with camera gear, and I know that Manny had like told people that they're that we were gonna be shooting there that night, so there was a lot of like buzz and attention among the other comedians that were there trying to figure out what was going on. So one of the people that was there, we uh spoke to him briefly, I think because he was talking to Sebas and we were getting some footage of them interacting. And so this was Rudy Wilson, who ended up being our third subject. But Rudy comes up to me because I had all of the release forms. And Rudy jokes to me and says, so if I end up being the star of this thing, like, what's my cut? Like, if you guys make a million dollars, I want like 15,000 or something like that. That's my fee. And of course, I was just like, who even is this guy? You're not even in the film, like... You know, and I i was just being very defensive, like, holding my clipboard, like, all right, guy, whatever, ha, 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 you know? And we sort of, like, joked about that. Um, and so, yeah, Rudy went up on stage, and actually, we were, like...
1: Destroyed oh, the room.
0: He killed the room. He's mad funny, mad comfortable on stage. High energy. And for a guy that was sort of just hanging out in the back, making these, like, tiny little, you know, like, sarcastic jokes and, and being very... Um, uh, like,
1: low-key yeah like he was super a low-key low
0: key. guy like he was in the back even when he was talking to the other comedians super low-key but when he stepped on the stage he just has this presence and and immediately you could tell the crowd was like reacting to him and automatically we started reacting to him i know that greg again we didn't even intend to be shooting anything but greg ended up getting footage of him anyways accidentally i guess you would say i mean that night. not I mean, accidentally like we wanted to shoot but
1: everything but we paid rudy a little more attention I'm not saying that anyone is or isn't better than the other, but i mean we just we just Rudy has this really almost enigmatic but similar similarly magnetic presence where mm-hmm. when he's on stage he he commands your attention, but when he's off stage he seems to be indifferent about whether or not you give him any attention. Yeah, he, okay. Almost as though he's more comfortable if you didn't give him any attention. Yeah, do
0: two totally different people and of course we would come to realize that more and more as we were like interviewing him and hanging out with him in his like day-to-day life. Um but so yeah, anyways, um up until that point I believe we were still under the impression that we would be highlighting Nick and we were trying to make everything work and then it just ended up being again things were coming into focus as we were doing this. And so when we linked up with Manny and, and all of these other comedians and our schedule started to to become more clear what we would be covering in the coming days, we realized that we weren't going to be able to make that work. And so we were like, yo, what about that Rudy guy? <laughs> you know, like all of us were kind of like thinking about him in the back of our heads after having seen him perform. And again, we reached out to him. I think you hollered at him like after...
1: Well, I mean, it was like... Show a show that
0: we saw him at or something.
1: It was like a slow process, right? Because... What ended up happening is we went to one comedy show on Monday night and we went to another comedy show on Tuesday night. But the Miami scene is so small and Sebastian, Rudy and Manny are so active Mm -hmm. on the scene that there's really only ever one event in town and wherever it is, they're going to be at it. Mm -hmm. So we saw Rudy again the next night. Yep. We followed up with him after his performance because it was dramatically different. The room was not nearly as as accepting of every one of the performers, with the exception of many, um, who had a really, really rough night on Monday at Red Bar, but bounced back pretty nicely on Tuesday at Sweet Caroline's. But Rudy didn't have that that like great of a night at Sweet Caroline's, so we wanted to follow up with him about it, so we did. And then, as the days passed, we just continued to make more plans with him until all of a sudden we realized, like, we're like, we should just make this, this official. <laughs> this is the real thing, and that really came into focus once we realized that Nick wasn't based in Miami. A couple of days into the project, once we realized that Nick wasn't based in Miami, we that that, that was the yeah, it was that it was, was the quite, the moment where we said yeah, we need to reassess our plans. It was quite literally
0: out of our reach. Um, but yeah, so so that's how all of the subjects came together. I what I so I don't want to give away all of our like story, yes, for all of these people. But I do want to kind of run through what it was like to follow them, and and, and GJ here was the director, and so most of the inter- well all of the interviews that were conducted, he was the one that was asking them questions. Um. So so yeah, I mean, can you? Speak about what it was like to be like so immersed in these guys' lives and and what they do day in and day out.
1: Yeah. Um. So before I do that, I just wanna I just wanna clarify that um Greg and I Greg and I are co produce yes, co directing. I'm, I'm sorry. That's right. We're co directing this project together. So I I am one of the two directors on the project, but um I conducted all of the interviews and. Greg would like Greg like the floor was open to Greg to jump in if he wanted but mm-hmm. Greg was beasting on the camera on the camera <laughs> Um so in the name of not spoiling the story but still talking about what I saw with these guys just what like I'll do level. <laughs> Yeah what I'll do is I'll instead of getting into details on any one or all of them I'll just say that these guys are all in on something that they love that is Very high risk. I was listening to Manny's podcast this morning and Oriel, like I said, and and Rudy were on there. And they were talking about the percentage of the population of comedians that makes it to the professional level where they're making great money. And Oriel said something like 10 to 20 percent. And Manny was like 10 to 20 percent. What the fuck? Because it's really like one to three percent. Yeah, it's not. I was was
0: looking at you like 10 to 20 sounds really generous. (laughs) Super
1: generous. Exceptionally and when you think about it like that's that's like that's like what it is right is that these guys are all in on something super high risk um one of the subjects used the phrase stepping out on faith w- whether that's faith in a higher power or themselves whatever it is god damn that's inspiring and and that's really what i saw was something that said that like the the price that people I mean, I, a lot of people like to refocus it on themselves, right? And say, you know, it's just whatever my dreams are, like, it it's worth it, right? But to me, that's not what I see. What I see is it, the I, I like I, <laughs> I I don't I don't think it's quite that clear cut. I don't know for a fact that it's worth it. What's inspiring to me about their story is the fact that they're prepared to pay that price without any concept of what the outcome could possibly be.
0: Like reckless abandon. They're just like reckless all, all abandon. chips on the table like everything, yeah, everything they've got they they're giving it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um that's it it's it's moving. I I could have lived my life like that and never did because I was too afraid. And those guys are doing it in ways that are spectacularly uncomfortable in relation to i I mean like i don't want to make myself that uncomfortable dude (laughs) and those guys are like yeah 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 nah i'm this uncomfortable and like let me know what else i gotta sacrifice because that's that's going off of the boat too yeah i gotta be as lean as i gotta be to get to where i gotta go
0: yeah man i want to emphasize that word that you just used uncomfortable because to me it it encompasses like the entire experience which is they're making themselves uncomfortable as in like Financially, because it's not like being a you know new stand up comic is like paying their bills right now.
1: They're then in fact they're doing free mics, for right? The most they're part. they're
0: like getting up there for free just to get exposure, just to get practice, just to put the work in for the payoff that they that they really believe and know is coming. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like an investment into themselves. And then the other the other way that I see like this discomfort is like being on stage. <laughs> Because I've, I said it all throughout this process, but I was, I'm totally in awe of these people because, I mean, I've thought this before because, you know, I watch stand-up comedy and I like it and I have the comedians that I follow, but seeing these guys, I'm talking like five to seven days a week, they are getting up on a different stage at a different venue in front of a different crowd and they are putting in work. And, and I, I said this before on, on Manny's podcast, which which we'll like talk about a little bit too, that there's like very few things that are more terrifying to me than standing up in a spotlight, facing these a bar of strangers and in Miami, which is not a particularly polite city and trying to make them laugh, trying to make them have a good time.
1: Most people won't stand up on the stage in front of people just to talk. Yeah,
0: public speaking is is a legitimate fear for a lot of people but
1: that but just public speaking this is public speaking with the burden of having to be funny
0: dude and and what i find so what i also want to want to talk about is some of the like ins and outs of like the comedy profession that we learned about and one of the things that i was thinking was how interesting it is that let's say you know i'm talking to someone who just happens to be a stand-up comedian but i don't know that that's what they do and they could be cracking jokes to me in conversation and I might be like crying with laughter or cracking up at what they're saying but when it's like on stage of course people like shift their expectations and people it's like it's like all of a sudden the audience becomes like the judge on like America's Got Talent or something you know what I'm saying like all of a sudden you are like giving power to these people to like determine whether or not you're doing a good job which is crazy because because like a lot of those guys and not just the ones that we covered, but a lot of them are are like funny, you know, but, but again, when they're on stage and they're doing this and you know that they want to be taken seriously, like it's such a vulnerable position because now people are like, all right, guy, let's see if you're funny. And like I said, this is Miami. Like people are, people are like harsh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. We didn't see, we didn't see much of that in, in Miami's defense, but I mean, it it always felt like harshness was possible because I'm from Miami and I know what it's like.
0: Yeah. We're not just harshness in the terms of like no one's like throwing rotten fruit or whatever at them. But this <laughs> but this um, Miami is very about its image a lot of the time. You know what I'm saying? So people will still try to seem, like, very composed while they're there or they're trying to seem a certain way so they might not be crying of laughter or dying of laughter. Like, they might yeah, be on the inside. Yeah, Mi- Miami <laughs> has a
1: very particular brand of cosmetic, right? Mm-hmm. Because Miami is also this place where people, like, it, it, it has, like, the art deco regions and, and beautiful museums of art. Art Basel is over there. So there's a lot of people playing pretentious who are only skin deep. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's not the the perfect storm of traits, <laughs> and and the vulnerability of having to get on stage and perform for an audience full of people like that is even more terrifying than getting on stage and talking in front of your family, mm-hmm. which would which would make at least some people uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. So uh, like I said, I I do want to dive into this like world of professional comedy. So was there anything else that you like learned about the profession or picked up on or thought was interesting about like their process?
1: Yeah, man. So what's interesting to me is that there are a lot of different people in the game and their their approach to how they do what they do is necessarily different. We met one guy named JJ who he, he doesn't write. He doesn't write any of his jokes. And and that works for him. He's he's funny and he connects with the crowd, the crowd connects with him. And one of the things that we do with the people that we conduct interviews with is we ask them to make an effort to keep eye contact with me as the as the person directing the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's for the eye line of the camera is is really the point. And JJ was pretty good about keeping eye contact but he was extra good at keeping eye contact when i asked him if he thought that he might be better if he wrote his jokes he they, with all of the confidence in the world
0: he like locked eyes with you and was like he was
1: like nah this <laughs> is my process and this shit fucking works
0: that's what's up man i that's what that's one thing that i can say i loved about all of them like their total belief in themselves and total belief in their process and what they do and what they you know think works for them you can't tell them shit otherwise like yeah, i mean they, some of them will take advice or whatever but you know like for him like i i love that because to me that's a, i mean that's a totally valid question like do, like why don't you write what and he's just right. like that's what i do and i don't question it you just rock with it and that's like a big thing i think amongst them like don't question it you just you you go you know what i'm saying because you can't hesitate because because i mean imagine when you're up there on stage there can't be a moment where you're like damn, what if this isn't funny in your head before you tell the joke? You can't do that. You just got to keep going because it, it needs to be natural and it needs to be funny and it needs to be light enough for people to digest. Right.
1: Conversational. Um, conversational yeah, for too. sure.
0: I, I thought it was fascinating. The fact that we got to be with them, like I said, this was seven days. We we went to five different shows. And again, five different shows following pretty much the same people. Um, even outside of our subjects, we got to see other comedians um in the same venues night after night and I thought it was just fascinating because I've been to honestly before this I think i had been to one comedy show ever <laughs> and so to be able to see them go through their sets in all of these different ways and notice all the subtle changes in the way that they tell the jokes, to see the way that they respond to the audience, you get to you get to realize that this is an art and it's an art that I don't think a lot of people acknowledge as such. You know, people will look at like a musician or they'll look at... And like a painter or whatever or someone that plays an instrument and be like that person's an artist. But stand up comedy is like this other this like miscellaneous it, Yeah, it's this, it's
1: like segregated into its own comedy. Yeah, section. this like
0: miscellaneous genre of entertainment. And I kept I, I caught myself referring to it as an art as I started to observe them because I mean they're writing this, they're analyzing responses from people they're reworking it every single time they tell the joke like they never I I I feel like they never tell the joke the same way exactly the same way twice it's always subtle changes and it's just because again I mean the more they work on and I think this is something that a lot of them explain to us but the more you work on it the more you tell a joke the more natural it starts to feel because you've told it a million times and so yeah, I mean, it's that
1: shit about flow states, man, like when you can commit something to second nature, yeah. to memory to the point where like you don't have to think about it to do it. It frees your creativity up to focus on other things like delivery or crowd or or crowd work as they call it or whatever else it is. So, one of the really cool things that we got to do on Red Bar Monday night was to see Kyle Grooms, who is a, a an incredibly experienced comic. Kyle Grooms, um, I, I'm pretty sure if I remember from his IMDb page, was even involved in the Chappelle show when mm-hmm. that was on air on Comedy Central when I was a little-ass kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kyle Grooms has been in the game. And he showed up. And he Before I say that, um, he was also uh, named the best comic in Miami by the Miami New Times, yeah. which is the local um, paper down there that is really like up on culture <laughs> mm-hmm. um so we saw kyle grooms he pulled up to that show on monday at red bar to work out some material for the uh laugh out loud fest. yeah the
0: laugh just for laughs
1: yeah just the, at the, the, the just, just for, for laugh, laugh show
0: in montreal right yes
1: yes and um so so shout out to kyle for picking that show up um where i believe they also recorded a documentary um For an Amazon series about the competitive nature of
0: yes, there is that Amazon series is' coming up, yeah, comedy is like a a thing a right hot now. topic right now so. or, or or maybe it
1: 's just amazon 's thing right now, and no one in the world knows that we 're doing it, but they will real soon, hopefully <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh yeah, but the the Kyle Grooms thing was yet again another like lucky coincidence for yeah. us that we happened to catch him like the night before he yeah. left to Montreal and he was at Red Bar and he was like
1: and, and working the,
0: on some of his jokes. Right. And,
1: and to the point that we were just making about like these guys is that like getting to see Kyle 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 Grooms is the kind of performer who is so comfortable on stage that if it is a flow state thing, he can access that that flow stage like that mm-hmm. that flow state like that. And when we look back at the footage of what we got of Kyle, you can see he's just
0: comfortable, yo, like relaxed, <laughs> super comfortable.
1: He's having a conversation. He's even—he, I mean—he he busted out a piece of paper with his notes on it, and he's looking at the notes in front of people, and they're laughing like it's part of the act, and he's really just—he's <laughs> really taking fucking he's notes. He's
0: really taking notes. Yeah, it was such a cool moment actually when he when he like came through the door because we had—he was on the list, I think. <laughs> he was, he on, the was, list. He was like, on the list. We researched him. That Seabass gave us, and so we had watched some of his YouTube videos, and and we got caught up in a little bit because we were like, "Yo, this guy's mad funny." And was so on deaf
1: comedy jam, yo.
0: Yeah, man. And so we we ended up watching a few of his videos and became like quick fans of his. So when we first night there, when he walked through the door, I remember you were like, "Yo, yeah, Grooms." <laughs> I was
1: literally I was literally sitting there talking to you and Rudy, telling Rudy that I don't think we're going to make fifteen cents on this project, <laughs> but if we do, you don't get a penny. All right. And as I say that, I look to my right and Kyle Grooms walks in the door, and he has no fucking idea who I am. Yeah, but you. Were but like, I was like, I "Oh shit, <laughs> Kyle Grooms, what's up, man?" Yeah. Um, and like we locked him in to like get an interview and everything, and um, it what w- what was really fascinating about it to me is that like my attitude was very very different at the climate march. Like I was like, "Fuck, should I go interrupt Al Gore and try and?" I-? And I was like really really <laughs> well, weird about it
0: al gore <laughs> yeah but
1: like Kyle grooms is not the al gore of yeah, the but it's just again scene, it's the but, way i mean that he's, he's the best in in miami yeah but according um, to the miami he United was Times. like
0: mad approachable too which i love exceptionally like, people kind of talk about him like he's a big deal we thought it was a big deal because again we were like fanning over him you know like watching his youtube videos and then he walks in the door like normal as like, fuck totally normal he's not like, too he big sat down that. with the other comics i'm talking we're talking about comics that are like a few months in, Sebastian's like the, only eight yeah, months C-Bass in. And he was he had a seat eight at the months table. In, exactly, and and they're all just talking like normal. So that was pretty cool that we got to catch him while he was still in Miami.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it, it's dope because seeing this for lack of a better word, or maybe this is a great word for it, but this rock star chilling with these novices yeah. and like vibing with them like they're normal people is is what opened me up to like this realization that there was something potentially really special about the Miami comedy scene different yeah. from places like New York and LA where the comedy scene is so saturated with people in competition. Yes. There's a genuineness, an intimacy that like, like, you know, you know, if you're going to the comedy show tonight, you're probably going to run, run into the same amount of comedy people you always see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm we we asked a lot about competition and i don't want to say that the competition doesn't exist we have we have like footage of of people being petty with each other on camera because we were on them like stank on shit all week but for the most part we saw a lot of people being really really supportive of other people getting better and and congratulatory when someone did well I mean, honestly, that 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 was the thing that was so refreshing about about it. it I I, did, I just spoke pretty disparagingly about how people in Miami can be cosmetic, but um, pretentious at the same time. We didn't see that much of that in the comedy scene. Certainly not with Manny. Certainly not with Sebastian, who, although I already knew, is perhaps one of the more genuine people I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And certainly not not with Rudy, who happens to be an outsider but is very comfortable and growing in the miami scene
0: for sure so let's uh bring it back home here uh what now let's tell people what's going on now so we we finished shooting what is what today that we're recording this this is a sunday yes and we finished shooting just about a week ago then yeah Mm -hmm. a week ago and so in the time since, um, we GJ and I have come back to Atlanta where we're based out of Greg is based out of Miami. And so all of our like post production happens uh over like Skype calls or FaceTime and phone calls and such. But yeah, for right of- now, over the last week, what's been happening is GJ has been pouring over the interviews and taking notes and you know sort of like recapping everything because when it's happening i mean you can talk about that a little bit but like what is it like when you're interviewing versus when you're like reviewing the interview
1: oh it's so different i i actually feel almost shitty about it because so this is the first time that i've interviewed people to find out about them more than to find out about yeah like something like a thing Yeah, yeah so I I I I'm going over these notes and I'm listening to the interview back and I'm like, fuck, I wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> and and like and like that's not necessarily true because there were very clearly instances where I was improvising the questions or stepping off of the script of questions I had to deviate because they said something that was intriguing and that kind of thing. But there's just so many details that I'm finding now in the material that I that didn't occur to me at the time. And it's frustrating because I find I find now that as I'm reviewing the footage, I have so many more questions and I didn't ask them.
0: Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. (laughs) Like you're like urging your like past self to like ask this question now (laughs) yeah absolutely um so yeah so so right now it's uh like a structuring process i was joking and calling it like the pre-post production process (laughs) because before we get into editing and actually cutting anything we have to look at what we have and what we have is a lot
1: yeah 589 gigs
0: Hours and hours of footage, just several different interviews, different types of interviews, B-roll. We just have like their performances, yeah. observational footage, just a lot. Because like we said, it was seven days, morning to night. So it's a lot. And so right now, yeah, we're sorting through the story and, and kind of, um, oh, you can tell them about your uh, sculpture analogy to like explain right. what, yeah. what, what doing a documentary yeah it so
1: like... what i what I've been the analogy I've been using is that um it's almost as though when we wrapped photography on the project we we had just completed excavating this this like piece of stone, this like gigantic slab, and inside of this stone somewhere is this thing, and The post-production process is the part where we start to chip away and try to go look for it. It's in there somewhere. We just have to find it. Mm -hmm. Something is in there. I mean, if we have 10 hours and we probably have more, but if we have 10 hours, we have to throw away 9 hours and 30 minutes because it's it's like not essential it down to, the, yeah, to 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 leave it at what is left. And then we also have to do other things, right? Like we have to find music, music that is because we we want Miami to feel almost like a character in this thing too. Um so we have to find music that speaks to that while also finding music that is inside of our budget, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is zero. <laughs>
0: Which is like, please give us music for free. <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of a lot of things have to happen before people get to see it. Oh, so I did want to take a moment here because, so I've been saying this over and over for the past few episodes. But what we are doing here is recording a few episodes ahead of time before we launch the podcast, just so you guys can like have a, a table of <laughs> things to look at and and sift through our content to see if you if you like fuck with us or not um but by the time that we release this episode of the podcast i imagine that we may have announced to people what the name of the project is so we can take a moment here and and you can like do like a little drum roll and tell people what the name of the the documentary is
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so assuming the name doesn't change from this point to the time where we actually release this and announce it uh, the name is respect the light miami's comedy scene is is the subtitle so respect the light and the subtitle is miami's comedy scene
0: cool so we'll leave it at that (laughs) um i i do yeah i i want people to 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 see like a proper introduction for the name and get like a feel for it and get some interpretation because there's like literal meaning, but there's also metaphorical meaning. So yeah, respect the light.
1: <laughs> it it feels right. I can't imagine the name changing. I think that the the subtitle could change, but I can't imagine the I I respect the light will likely be the name of this thing in one way or another. Yeah, there, there's there's a, a lot of stuff that we could theoretically talk about, but I think <laughs> maybe we can like do this in installments because there's so much more to say.
0: I would love and again, if you're listening, Greg, this is like no pressure on you, but I would love for Greg to to like jump on the podcast with us for like a next installment, maybe when we're like further along in the process and like can update people on what's going on because Greg's insight is like so, 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 so crucial to the project, what he has to say about the project. So, I so this is actually a good time to let people know that if you do want to hear what Greg has to say about the project, we actually did... An episode of Manny Garavito's podcast, the MiamiComedy.com podcast, right? Uh, Can you tell people where they can find that?
1: I actually messaged Manny about it tonight. um, And the answer to that at this moment is nowhere, unless you're friends on Facebook with Manny. All
0: right, so go find Manny Garavito on Facebook and uh and friend request it'll so that be you on youtube
1: soon and
0: yeah so so again uh if we if we get any links to that podcast and we'll drop it in the show notes um or we'll share it to our own social media pages so i know that we've been promoting our down to mars podcast channels but This is a good time to let you guys know that you can also find The Ledge Media on all social media channels, Facebook. I don't want to say all because there's like a lot of social media channels now, but you guys can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Ledge Media, and you can also go to our website at theledgemedia.com, and we will be posting a bunch more about this project as it unfolds.
1: Yep, human stories, man, at The Ledge Media.
0: So I do want to close out and take one more opportunity to thank again everyone that I feel like I'm like on an award show or something. Thank you to everyone that nah, made this possible. We got to <laughs> name names specifically. No, I know. I So I totally think we should name names. Yeah. So Manny
1: go. Garavito. Shout outs to Manny Garavito. Shout outs to Sebastian Matar Shout outs to Ruby w- Rudy Wilson. Um... Everyone means- over at Drink House Fire and Ice, everyone over at Sweet Caroline, everyone over at Red Bar, everyone over at The Craftsman, the two people over at Renee's. All of the all of the comics who allowed us and afforded us access in, into their world. Um, some names to come that come to mind that somehow Facebook knows to recommend to me are... No, don't
0: say somehow, you know how. <laughs>
1: Daniel Bergamini, <laughs> Matteo, John Everyman over at the Everyman Podcast, Wake and Vape. Shit, shout out to the people at that Thai restaurant where we got the Thai donuts and the Tomka guy.
0: Oh my gosh, shout out to my mom for letting us use her car the whole time that we were in Miami.
1: Shout out to Greg's mom for letting us use her Christmas lights and her apartment, everything else pretty much. Shout out to Jose for offering to let us use his car. (laughs) Yes. And even though we didn't even use his car.
0: Yeah, So and again, I know we've said this like several times now, but there were just so many people along the way. Like, people that didn't even want names to be named. You know what I'm saying? Like, people that that really opened their doors for us and helped us and facilitated this entire thing. I think we were very, very fortunate to work with the people that we did. And I think that as two people that can be so very cynical about Miami, we were sort of, like... Impressed. Yeah, like, it was really refreshing, like... Some of the people that we came into contact with that were like so helpful to us, we were like, wow, like Miami really does have some (laughs) redeemable characters in it. And uh, we're we're really grateful to all of those people that helped us because this was an incredible story and we're so excited to tell it. And it, it again, not to sound totally cliche, but it wouldn't have been possible without any of those people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some people more than others, but equal thanks to everyone because like now we get this opportunity to strike out on our own or hit a home run Mm -hmm. and like that opportunity exists because of the generosity of some people um who afforded us their their time and 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 their talent Mm -hmm. their time and their talent really really grateful to them
0: yeah and again, in his absence, thank you, Greg, for, all, for being such a great partner on this project. And again, you guys can find him at his website, Greg Carrick. That's K-E-R-R-I-C-K dot com. And he's also on Instagram at Greg underscore Carrick. So you guys can follow him there, too. So this was fun. And I hope that we'll have much, much more to share with everyone very soon.
1: All right, guys. Well, um, we'll keep you up to date on Rashid has a dope behind the scenes thing that, that, that'll I do. be the next thing Oh my thing God, that we, I, drop. we almost
0: forgot to tell people. I've put so one of my responsibilities during this entire thing was getting together, you know, marketing material and behind the scenes footage so that you guys can get a more in depth look at what the process was like. Uh, so I've cut together a little thing. I still have to work on it a little, but that will definitely be on some of our social media and our YouTube channel soon.
1: Yeah, man, that's 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 looking like it's going to be dope. Honestly, like some of the some of the stuff is competing with how good some of the actual stuff looks.
0: (laughs) Don't get me hype. Don't (laughs) don't boost my ego.
1: Anyway, um, this was a great podcast. A nice little change of pace. Thank you guys for listening. Excited to show you guys something that we hope will be truly awesome.
0: Catch you in the next episode.
1: Holla.